0: Welcome to this special ProPass webinar series. We have started the collaboration with ProPass consortium and are publishing their webinars in podcast format so more people can benefit from their useful content. In short, ProPass is an international research collaboration platform of cohorts using Taiwan accelerometry to explore the effects of physical activity, posture, and sleep patterns on the wide range of health outcomes. Without further ado, let's jump to PROPASS webinar.
1: Fantastic, thank you. So we now have about 15 minutes left. So I'd like to invite, virtually invite all of the uh, four cohort representatives back and we're going to open up questions. So please feel free to put in the chat any more broader questions about um, participation in, in PROPASS or anything about opportunities. So I'll, I'll I guess, kick this off but these these questions are open for anybody to um to answer so what what were sort of your motivations for wanting to join um and be a part of propass i won't put anyone on the spot so any volunteers are welcome christina
2: yes well we're struggling and thinking a lot on how to actually what what algorithm to use and what are the best way to actually use these data and I think Propass is a is a very good opportunity to harmonize data and also to 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 get an idea of and what are what are other is what are what are other cohort studies doing uh, and and what kind of algorithms are you using because there's a lot of different ways of doing it out there I think it's very important that we do an effort to harmonize it. Especially we learning from each other's studies and comparing, uh, if we're comparing prevalences, we need to see how is, how has it actually been calculated? So that's one motivating factor from our side and that we're
1: still learning. Great. So, Thanks, Christina.
0: Any thoughts from anybody else? Lisa? Uh, great. Thanks, Joe. So I think, I mean, I think that, that obviously it just makes the findings more, more powerful you know, in terms of if we are harmonizing data across sites, sites representing different countries, communities, that kind of thing. I think it just makes the, the, the findings just that much more powerful. We have, you know, limited resources. Everyone does. I mean, everyone's deter- determined by funding. So by trying to kind of pool everything together, it, it makes a big impact. And for us, that was, that was definitely one of the motivating factors. Um, yeah. Great. Thanks, Lisa.
1: No questions are coming through. So yeah, I guess I guess another question for me then what do you think are the the biggest opportunities that international consortiums like ProPass or even thinking something like ICAD can provide for for the research into the physical, physical movement behaviors?
0: I think well, we're probably more likely to be able to get really big grants. <laughs> so so perhaps by combining forces, maybe we can apply for, for much bigger bigger grants, yeah, I mean, that would be my kind of my initial thoughts. We can go to some big funders and look for some, some money. Great. Thanks, Lisa. I'll, I'll go to Joe next and then Christina. Oh, yeah, I was just going
3: to say, I think also the powerful thing is being able to work with people who use different types of devices and can into a way of reading, or device agnostic. You know, don't use different types of devices across multiple time points and still have a harmonized way of actually analyzing the data think that that's, especially because the still keeps moving so quickly in the studies, you always have to take market do You just keep doing things the same way that you always done them, or you give up always the freedom of, you know the, the newer devices and things that are um, available. So I think that's also one of the powerful things and being part of people who are facing some more problems like that and some issues, and being able to harmonize data multiple different types of device, devices is very powerful. Thanks, Joe. We'll go to Christina and then Laura.
2: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of potential both for research but also for policy. I think for research, we will definitely, we can uh, get a better data quality by combining and harmonizing data. So I think it really it contributes a lot to the research um, field. And then that also uh, will point into policy area because I think, if we do obtain a larger and better research pile, then we can then with we, just a, a bigger voice into policy area, so I think it it really strengthens both research and policy thank you yeah I, I would sorry yeah I would also like to met, met the open science and and opening our data and opening our methods after coming from because I previously worked in the industry, working in the uh, wearables, on that side. So I, even though it's a great potential of using the data of of the uh, consumer devices, I think because we can't really know how the data is processed, it's so great that in these kind of kinds of um, consortiums we can really be
1: open about what we've done with the data. Great, thank you all. That's really um, interesting. To- here, I've got a question. I think we'll, we'll start with, with Joe, but a couple of the presentations talked about the placements of, of different accelerometers and some had, had two or three. And so I wondered, and, and Joe, I, I'm picking you because of the shift from the from the uh, the other placements into the worn. So why did you decide to use worn accelerometers to measure these behaviors?
3: Yeah, thanks, Jerry. I was like, it wasn't an easy call because um, it would have been a lot easier if someone just kind of do things the way we'd done a lot of the so we done in previous slot less, we had figured out the and we knew what we how we needed to process the data. But um, one of the big questions was obviously to join in the time and we were making that decision to get the ISILMATE data and then asking should we it was data as well in the future, which is very exciting no longer safe as well. Um, but that was one of the key key drivers in our decision, also because we really wanted to look at the um, sitting time, and um, we've got quite a lot of researchers who are interested in the occupational relationship relationship between sitting and, and occupation. And so, having the device on the fly was one of the best places for that. The other interesting reason why we moved to the sense device is that we had a big problem with our participants completing diaries. The young adults just weren't interested been really thinking that they would end and just so the same information like you know, wait times time or dead and and it made it really unreliable. And now having it more read and app based way and also just the counter-processing, I mean, it's just a lot more seamless and it just, it appears yeah, to be a lot more brilliant and this population in terms of things in on a, on a device as opposed to pen and paper. So that we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was big change, but yeah, so far so good.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing those insights. I'm sure there's probably
3: some similar
1: reasons for the other cohorts using Thigh but does anyone have anything to add to that?
0: Yeah, so I think, and maybe, maybe if I can use this opportunity to ask a question as well, particularly around sort of the longitudinal aspects and, and obviously Joe's insights are really valuable, but, you know, we're about to go back. So we, we use the Active Pearl. It's worked really well in our cohort also because people can't see it. So particularly in, in areas that may not perhaps be safe to walk around and, and that sort of thing, people don't want an accelerometer that's, that's perhaps obvious to see because then it, it may be valuable. But, you know, we're in the situation now where we've collected ActiGraph and active pearl data previously on our cohort. We're going back into the field. Do we stick with what we've done before again so that we've got comparable data or do we move to a wrist-worn device that everybody's talking about? And I don't, you know, obviously in an ideal world, it would be to use what we've done already and add a wrist-worn activity monitor. So then we've got all three. I'm i I'm just not, I'm not sure that's going to work so well in our setting. So, you know, do we stick with what we've done or do we, are we brave? Go to activity monitors on the wrist. And hope that we can compare it to our original data that we've already collected on the cohort.
1: Oh,
2: Excellent <laughs> question.
1: I I think the the better answers on that will come tomorrow. But I yes. guess just yeah, from my perspective, is it, it, it is challenging choosing the placement. And we do see where cohorts have resources that they are measuring it from different different placements. So when when Peter spoke about Sleep, you know, there isn't a single placement that is going to be able to accurately measure it. We we need multiple monitors that are is going to be able to properly capture that. I think for us, the psi worn accelerometer really has offered a way to capture posture that hasn't been possible with the wrist worn. We do have some work underway where we're looking at the thigh and the wrist worn and trying to understand sort of how comparable they are, especially when the sort of ma- machine learning side of the the Data processing algorithms is is improving. So, how accurately that will be able to capture things like cycling, like sitting, we don't know yet. But yes, I think think tomorrow the the better answers will come. I'm going to end with. Oh, sorry, Christina.
2: Sorry, that was just a quick comment, it's not related to where it's actually placed, uh, but it's more related to uh, how we get the device uh, sent back to us because we we chose the Sense um, device because then the data is directly sent to us because we lose a lot of uh, devices in the mail. So it's so just saying that that's a lot of issues that actually um, count towards which, which device to choose. And this was uh, just a choice that we did because we need, we need as much data as possible. So it's just another perspective into that.
1: Thank you, yeah, definite benefit to be able to, to get the data via the cloud. So, yeah, last question to end on is that I know in, in the audience we have some members representing cohorts that are thinking about or are interested in, in joining ProPass. So, what would you tell them about your experience and, and why it would be great to
0: join us? Um, I can just. I mean, I'm,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, sorry, Joe, go for it. No, I was just going to say uh, we we are real newbies. So, we don't have too much experience just yet, other than you know, sharing kind of exactly what data we have available, even around the non-accelerometry data. So yeah, I, I unfortunately can't give too much info on that, but looking forward to next steps.
3: And my response was going
0: to be pretty similar in that. Yeah, obviously we're also just joining, but
3: the experience has been really good in terms of lots like, of support of people and lots of, you know, other people facing the same sort of questions that we're asking time. so just sort of just answering a community as well, I think been really really fun and and yeah just really excited to see to see where it goes all right great thank you very much
0: thanks for joining us this week on physical activity research through podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support if you found value in this show, we would really appreciate the rating on the Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.